episode five of Vixen, a Black Beauty and Pop Culture podcast. If you enjoy what you hear today, please leave a review anywhere you listen to podcasts. Today's episode is the second and final episode on Corinne Steffens, the video vixen who shocked the world with her explosive first novel. Now, let's start the show. Hey guys, welcome back. We have a lot of ground to cover in this episode, so I want to go ahead and get right into it. When I left you guys last week, Corinne had just released her first novel, Confessions of a Video Vixen, and she had just secured another book deal. But the drama is definitely far from over, so let's just get right into what happened after Confessions of a Video Vixen. So Confessions of a Video Vixen was an instant hit. The book was a New York Times bestseller. It was released um, in 2006 with bonus material, and that also made the New York Times bestseller list, so that means it was a big deal. Um, If you were around at this time, you definitely know what kind of a frenzy this book caused. I mean, I was like maybe 13 when this book came out, I think. But I remember everyone at my aunt's hair salon was talking about it. People were passing the book around school. Uh, I was hearing things about it on BET. The book was really everywhere, right? It name drops a lot of people. You can imagine that a lot of people weren't happy about that. But surprisingly, a lot of people who were upset about the book weren't even actually mentioned. And we'll get more into that a little bit later. But only one person who was name dropped in the book actually spoke on it at the time of the book's release. Um, Other people defended themselves later, like when they were asked in interviews, but nobody said much initially. That's something I notice a lot within the hip-hop community. Like, there will be accusations about rappers, and they don't say anything um, until someone asks them if they feel like speaking on it, or they might be like, next question. That's something that has always kind of annoyed me low-key, because I feel like if something is, like, really untrue, you should definitely just speak on it. That's what I would do, but hey. That's just me. Um, So that one person who did speak on the allegations was Bobby Brown, and he said that everything was a lie. Here's a quote from an interview he did. Corinne is a liar. I should sue her. Nah, I'll just leave her alone. End quote. So y'all make of that what you will, but like I'm kind of calling bullshit on that because one, there are photos of them hugged up. Um, One of them is in the book. And then why would you say you'll just leave someone alone if they're lying on you? See, that's what I mean. Like me personally, if you're telling something outrageous about me, I'm addressing it. But like I said, that's just me. Um, I just feel like if you are lying on me publicly, I'm going to defend myself publicly. This, as well as the other people named staying silent, made me think there's definitely some truth to what she said in the book. I think she might have embellished some of her like relationships with people, but... I don't think a lot of it is out of thin air personally. What do y'all think? Do y'all think like most of it is lies? Do you think it's embellished? Like, I don't know. I feel like there's definitely something there. It may not all be true, but it's something. So like I said earlier, it seems like people who weren't even involved in the situation had a lot more to say about it than people who were involved. So in a 2005 interview with the New York Times, Miss Info from Hot 97 said, in rap, there isn't a murder, a code of silence. You do your dirt. Everyone knows you do your dirt, but no one talks about it. She has violated that code and chose to talk about everything. Again, black feminist writers were another group that called Corinne out on the book. I've 
said how I feel about Black feminist writing in the early 2000s. Y'all already know from past episodes, but hey, some of them had some pretty positive reactions to the book. Um, but most notable uh, Black feminists of the time critiqued the book pretty harshly. In a 2005 interview with the Washington Post, Trisha Rose, who is an author and professor at UC Santa Cruz, said the book was a, quote, well-rehearsed narrative, the Black version of the prostitute who makes good or comes to her senses. The newness of this story is that it's from a Black woman from the world of music videos and that she names names. But Rose questions whether newness amounts to progressiveness. She says, we need this story less than we need rich, complicated, reflective stories. I'm glad it's out there and I hope it opens up conversations. The question is, will the book be a catalyst for serious conversations as opposed to allowing easy answers to prevail? Like video hoeing is bad or video hoeing is a great vehicle as long as you avoid the pitfalls. Those are the simple minded positions that I think we need to worry about. So as you guys know from past episodes that I've done, we've beat this into the ground, but video vixens were another group that was not happy about confessions of a video vixen. In 2007, Melissa Ford said to allhiphop.com, her motivation for doing videos was for a stepping stone to become bigger in the entertainment industry, to be promiscuous. The fact that her story is being sensationalized right now sends a real bad message to little girls. I want to bore y'all with this, so if you want to know more about how video vixens felt about confessions of a video vixen, listen to the Melissa Ford, Buffy the Body, and Vixen finale episodes from last season. Um, I'm also going to put an article in my show notes from Jet Magazine in 2007. I meant to include this in my last vixen roundup from last season, uh, but I forgot to. The article is called Video Vixens Show That They Are More Than Just Pretty Faces. Uh, it interviews like some top video vixens at the time, like Simone Baptiste and a couple other women. They ask them how they feel about Corinne's book kind of briefly, but it gives a good idea of what the sets of videos were really like at the time and what their management was like. So it's really interesting if you're curious about that. I'll make sure I link it. The book was super popular and it was a hot topic in the media for a long time. So some people who knew Corinne actually wanted to be in the book. Corinne said in an interview, most people want to be in my book. I got pulled over by a famous person in traffic that said, I want to be in book number three. I'm next. I saw an ex-boyfriend in the mall and he said, why am I not in the first book? I thought I meant something to you. The fact was he didn't. Nothing happened in that relationship. All those relationships in there changed me in one way or another. When people aren't in the book, they get upset and wonder, why didn't I make the book? So, I mean, I think it's pretty, like, normal for somebody to feel, like, left out. Like, if you slept with her at that time and, like, you have a little bit of fame or notoriety. Um, <laughs> I get I could see someone being like, why you ain't mentioned me? But anyway, uh, I want to point something out here so we can have just a little nuance and be a little bit fair. The word groupie, when you think of the word groupie, who was it popularized by? Rock bands and the women who followed them. There were rock band groupies way before there were ever hip-hop groupies, and a lot of them have written books um, similar to Confessions of a Video Vixen. It's definitely nothing new. Pamela Desbars wrote I'm With the Band, Confessions of a Groupie in 1987, years and years before Corinne's book. And people acted like it was a new thing and tried to crucify Corinne, but it's really just the same old story in my opinion. It's just with black men. Um, Corinne was just the first person to put the hip-hop industry on blast. 
Also, we've listened to men brag about their conquests over beats forever. Like it's like we've listened to them talk about who they have sex with. Um, a more current example of what Karim was doing is the Black Widow chick on Instagram, Selena Powell. She's blasting all of her exploits and blackmailing them, which is definitely a step further than what Karim was doing. And it's wrong. I don't agree with that at all. But y'all know what I mean. Uh, even Future said a few years ago, you can't name a bitch off Instagram. I ain't hit. Somebody else, I think Yo Gotti said, if I like her pics, you know I fucked or like something like that. It's just when people, when women do it, that's when people get upset. The interview at the end of Confessions of a Video Vixen, Corinne says, it is not a book about my encounters with celebrities or with anyone for that matter. It is my life story thus far, which just so happens to include some people you may have heard of. So what do you guys think about the book? Do you think it was a progressive effort? Do you think of it as just an expose or like an, an attention grab? I mean, no one will know what Corinne's intentions were besides her. But I personally think if these men were bold enough to cheat on their wives, you kind of have to face the music if and when it gets out. Um, in an interview with Jet Magazine in 2007, Corinne said, We've been taught to be ashamed of our bodies and of our sexuality for so long that when people read my first book, you would think that the book was cover to cover sex. The thing was, it was an autobiography. Jane Fonda had just as much sex in her autobiography as I had in mine, but no one bashed her for it because she's a white woman. I agree with her, and I know I've said this on another episode, I forget which one it was, but the book kind of is more about Corinne's personal conquest and like her personal life than actual sex partners. Um, and a lot of the things that she does and the destructive activities that she does happens off of video sets. Um, I think there's only like in the whole book, there's like three instances of her actually being on a video set. Um, a lot of the book was Corinne self-reflecting on her own issues and like she took accountability at the end. I had to reread the book as an adult again to really get like the the gist of what she's trying to explain. And like I said, there's not a lot that happens on the set. But anyway, let's get back into the meat of the story and away from the response of the first book. So in 2005, Corinne met TV host and comedian Bill Mayer and the two began a relationship. Every time I mention this relationship, people cannot believe it. And I think it's because y'all removed this from your memory for whatever reason, but Google it. There's a few paparazzi shots of them and some red carpet photos too. Um, and here's another quote from Corinne that if I have to hear, you guys have to hear it too. Sorry. <laughs> it took a lot to impress me. Bill was my perfect match. Lovemaking was explosive and amazing. I've never been with someone who couldn't keep his hands off me. He made me a better person. I never expected fidelity and commitment from Bill Mayer, but we saw one another every day and he reached out to include my son. So Corinne's book was selling well. She was in a relationship. She's working on her second book, but there was a little bit of an unfortunate development happening. In 2006, Corinne sought out a temporary restraining order from Vivid. Yes, Vivid, the porn company. Um, basically, Corinne got the restraining order to stop them from releasing a sex tape DVD with a porn star named Mr. Marcus. The DVD was called Superhead, Corinne's nickname, and it used a current photo of her. Did she get paid for the video and was she a willing participant? Yes, but this is why Vivid was wrong. So Corinne had filmed the video years ago in 2002 and the company released it um, like as a compilation for Mr. Marcus because she was virtually a nobody then so it was like a compilation of like him having sex with different people. 
They tried to capitalize on it in 2006 because Corinne had a name at this point, but they were elusive in their advertising tactics. Like I said, they used a current photo of her. So they used a picture um, like from a promo, a promo photo for the book to make the tape appear recent. So this is why she tried to block the release. Even though Corinne admitted to signing a release years ago for the film, she said that she should receive a piece of the profits for them um, re-releasing it. Here's a quote from her about the case. That was six years ago when I was a co-core. I was a single mom. I needed money. Vivid makes it look like it's a new tape. They're using my current picture and my book title without my permission. If anyone profits from the film, I want my cut, which I will donate to charity. Unfortunately, the restraining order was denied and the video was released anyway. Howard Levine, Vivid's sales manager at the time, said, Corinne was paid for her work and is not entitled to any additional compensation. I feel bad that she's upset, but she signed a legitimate release form that allows us to release this movie. We never said this was a new movie. We've informed everyone that this movie was shot six years ago with Mr. Marcus for Mr. Marcus's Cool Spot, which has been out of print for a few years. But what we're releasing now has new footage. So I just feel like stuff like this is so corny. I've been working on an idea for an episode on sex tapes involving black women. Um, and I definitely need to do some research on porn contracts because they sound nuts to me. Like you hear about stuff like this happening all the time, but I think the stars of the movie are definitely owed more money than their initial contract if the tape is released, re-released, or if unreleased footage comes out, especially if the person gains notoriety between the time it's filmed and the re-release date. Cause like if you would do something for four thousand dollars in two thousand two, right? And now you are a celebrity in 2006, you wouldn't have accepted that deal. You know, you definitely would have asked for a lot more because now you have a name. So I just think it's unfair that they were able to do this and just be elusive with their advertising tactics and like make it seem like it was recent and it wasn't. But what do, do y'all think about that? So 2006 was pretty rough on Karen. She had the sex tape thing going on. Her and Bill decided to split. Uh, Bill actually said he was serious about Karen, but... He felt like she needed to explore more and come into her own. They seemed to end on pretty good terms, but Corinne told Vibe Magazine that year, Bill wants someone he can put down in an argument, tell you how ghetto you are, how big your butt is, and that you're an idiot. That's why you never see him with a white girl or an intellectual. Bill defended himself by saying Corinne was just acting out, and now they have a friendship. Unfortunately, Corinne had a nervous breakdown when the relationship ended, and she lost her son Naeem to Child Protective Services. Like I said earlier, this is just a bad year for Corinne. That following year, The Vixen Diaries, which is the follow-up to Confessions of a Video Vixen, was released. In the book, Corinne revealed, I suffered an emotional breakdown and was sent to the hospital for psychiatric observation. I cut my wrist and started drinking myself into an emotional tailspin. At the end of the night, the love of my life was gone and so was my son Naeem. Corinne eventually won her son back and got back on good terms with Bill shortly after, and she dedicated the book, The Vixen Diaries, to Bill. The Vixen Diaries ended up being another hit for Corinne. It reached number six on the New York Times bestseller list. So this book is less gossipy and less glamorous than the first book. Um, and it's more so about what happened after the book was published and how she's grown from her experiences. So I was just like a brief, you know, synopsis of the book. The celebrities mentioned in this one are Bill Mayer, of course, Chris Rock, Eric Benet, Dennis Rodman, and Bobby Brown. And Ja Rule makes some more guest appearances, even though they were in the first book. Um, 
Now, a lot of people do not like this book, and I think it's because although names are still being dropped, it's not anywhere near as juicy as her first book. The name drops are less about sex and dates they went on and more about who she turned down and why. So, like, everybody I named um, just before this, like, she didn't have sex with all of them. She was like, oh, they wanted to go on a date with me, but I didn't want to go. Like, some people she did, but yeah. Uh, she seems to have changed her ways, but not really because she's still partying. It's just with less famous people. My opinion is that this book is, it's just Corinne enjoying the newfound fame, but missing her old life. I think she kind of like alienated herself from the hip hop circle after Confessions of a Video Vixen. And she's sounding like, you know, she's changed and she's grown and she's past that. But like, she seems to be doing the exact same thing. She's just hanging out with a different crowd. One of the last paragraphs in the book is, after years outside the music industry, somehow I have found myself right back in. I spent many years of long nights in smoky studios and trips on the road in a tour bus, backstage at concerts and hotel rooms, state to state. There is something about this life that draws me to it when I am in search of myself. All of a sudden, quiet dinners at the Four Seasons and spa days are just not enough anymore. I want to taste that hip-hop life again and live on the wild side a bit, but do it smarter than I had before. So there's that. This book is definitely more about her growth and what's changed in her life, but I get why people don't care for it because Confessions is so wild. She just seems really nostalgic in this book, honestly. One of the more juicy name drops in the Vixen Diaries would be her chapter on R&B singer Norwood Young. So Norwood has had quite a few troubles in his life. I didn't know who he was, so I had to look him up and read a little bit of his story. But he had a bit of a hard life, and Corinne brings them up in her book, although she doesn't go into detail. She basically talks about the abuse he suffered as a child, and he had never talked about his own abuse publicly. Um, so this was really messed up and she also names name drops his mom like by her first name which is dead wrong like even if she didn't have ill intentions like that just was not right in a statement for his book norwood young says i was shocked and outraged at the lies and deceitful things that were written about me in a book by someone i thought to be a friend corinne befriended me only to use my persona of a classic hollywood lifestyle in order to sell books we will come back to norwood and corinne later so remember that this happened all right, y'all, so here's where Lil Wayne comes in, Lord Jesus. The two met in 2007 and just talked on the phone for three weeks. Corinne flew herself out to him, and then the two became inseparable. In a 2015 interview with a YouTuber that I do not like and that will not be named, y'all probably can guess who it is. It's a white man who interviews a bunch of people. Um, Corinne said she would never give up her relationship with Lil Wayne for any marriage or relationship. She said that he has his own ringtone, his song, singing about her, and that when it rings, she'll hop out of bed in the middle of the night to be with him. She also says any man that's willing to be with her has to deal with this and that they have to willingly accept the arrangement. Yeah. <laughs> In 2009, Corinne started dating and ended up marrying Darius McCrary from Family Matters. Like, the, the people that she has been with is so random and so crazy, but I feel like it gets crazier post-confessions of a video of Vixen. Like, I'm like, where, like, where do you even meet this person? Um, 
This seems to be one of Corinne's more long-term relationships, but it was very rocky. The two moved really fast and seemed to be very in love. So in love that Bobby Brown himself tried to warn Darius about Corinne, which is wild. Corinne ended up publicly accusing Darius of physically abusing her, but she ended up recanting her claims and the two separated, although it seemed they weren't actually divorced until 2011. Darius at this point actually had um, some really good things to say about Corinne. Although this will change, here's a quote from him. At the time, I wasn't aware that beautiful women are like exotic cars. They take a lot of maintenance. You take a Rolls Royce, the brake job is $10,000 alone. You can't just run a Rolls Royce if you're not expecting to pay for that brake job. It was a very expensive and tumultuous situation, and it's pretty much the reason I don't drive a Rolls Royce. So also in 2009, Corinne releases another book, The Vixen Manual, How to Find, Seduce, and Keep the Man You Want. This book, like her others, makes it to the New York Times bestsellers list, and it peaks around number seven. So while Corinne's new book is gaining traction, a documentary about her is coming out at the same time. In 2009, Kiss and Tell, The Hollywood Jump Off, directed by Thomas Gibson, was released directly to Amazon, I believe. If you listened to the finale episode from last season, I mentioned this documentary, but I said I was going to save a full review for a future episode. Well, this is the future episode. So at first, when I watched this, I was kind of unclear on how this documentary came about because Corinne clearly let them use uh, her name and image, and she did some interviews for the documentary, but it's kind of like a bashing documentary on her. So I could not figure out why she had like agreed to do this, but we'll talk about that later. From watching the first 15 minutes of this documentary, I knew there was no way she knew exactly what the intent of this documentary was. Because it's really just people coming on to call her a slut and a liar. And some people are basically participating just to de defend themselves. But most of the people in it don't have anything to do with Corinne or the book. They're just like very angry for some reason. But anyway, so here is a part of the promo message for the documentary. Reenactments show how Corinne sexed her way through the hip hop world, climbing her way up the ladder before crashing to the bottom. Now a best-selling author, she's still kissing and telling. But the huge stars she allegedly betted are telling their side of the story. Again, I will let y'all do with that what you will. So y'all, I did a little digging, a little research, and I found an interview with the director of this documentary, and it turns out that I was right. So here's a quote from the interview I found. Stephens herself is actually the first interview in the film. Gibson said that although she is a part of the project, she was not deeply involved, nor is, knew what the film might be called or authorized. Nevertheless, Gibson said that he wasn't too concerned about backlash from Superhead. So basically, that means that Corinne didn't know that this film was literally intended to bash her when she agreed to let them use her image and all that stuff, which is whack. But she definitely should have followed up, I think, you know, um, to make sure. But hey, it happened. So yes, she didn't know that this movie, that this documentary was just a bashing moment. So anyway, more about it. Wendy Williams narrates this documentary, Messy Queen, of course. Um, some of the people who participate in this are Ja Rule, Akon, Big Boy, Tyson Beckford, um, Joel Santana, Bishop Don Magic Juan, and there's a couple other people too. Um, a couple people that you might remember from this episode and last week's episode participate as well. Of course, I've already said Ja Rule, who Corinne partied with often. Cool G Rap, the father of her son and her ex-husband. And Mr. Marcus, the guy that she did the porn flick with, and Darius McCrary, who we just talked about. The person who had the most to say in the documentary, however, was 
Mr. Norwood Young told y'all to remember what happened. So y'all remember Corinne had mentioned the abuse he faced as a child in her second book. So he's like, nah, I'm gonna get you back. And he basically outs her in this documentary. He says he participated in the film because I merely shared my outrage of being dragged into Corinne's web of money-making lies designed to hurt and destroy lives. So in the documentary, Norwood tells a story about traveling to Chicago with Corinne for her appearance on the Oprah Winfrey show. And he says that he tells her how well he thought the interview was going, how proud of her that he was for being vulnerable because she cried on the show. According to Young, Corinne said, you fell for that and bragged about waiting for the day that she could use her Oprah Winfrey cry and that she's been practicing since she was a little girl. So all the people that I named who were previously involved with Corinne, even Darius, they all tore her to pieces in this documentary. People who weren't even involved tore her to pieces. It also had like re these random weird reenactments that were so cheesy of like her doing different stuff. They interviewed the porn company and like some other really nasty guy. Like it just was like it was awful. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. So I watched the whole 90 minutes of this documentary and I truly do not have much to say other than hit dogs are gonna holler. I mean, do I think that the people who Corinne name dropped should have an opportunity to defend themselves? Absolutely. But there's something about this particular like film that just film feels really slimy to me. Like it's very slut shamey. It kind of feels like they're jumping her. Um, I'm just like not really here for this and if you guys want to watch it the full thing is on YouTube I would love to know what you guys think So here are a few quotables and random tidbits from the documentary so that you know If y'all don't want to watch it, it's okay because I did it for you <laughs> So at the time Darius had a restraining order against Corinne for assaulting him Um, he said he stuck with her for so long because of his relationship with Corinne's son But said he was neglecting his own son by being with her and he's like I can't be a part of this relationship anymore he ends his part of the documentary with, if you could turn a hoe into a housewife, Corinne would be the one. Ja Rule calls Corinne a sick individual and says that most of the things that she said about him are lies. Wendy Williams, who was the narrator, ends it with, what a slut. Um, they had one girl in there named Modest Jones. Her name is hilarious because like, she's not modest at all. But anyway, they billed her as Method Man's alleged baby mama. Like That's legitimately what they wrote under her name when she was on screen. Um, and they had a reenactment of her asking if a guy is hard. Like, y'all, I'm not... I ain't even going to describe that scene. Just, just if, if you want to know about it, just please go watch that documentary. Oh, my goodness. Then she was talking about, like, linking up with Donald Trump's investors. I have no idea what was going on here. Lord, send the flood. I don't know what they were trying to prove with this. Because um, it was, like, a bash Corinne thing. But then it also, like, had people in it who, I guess, like, sleep with men for money. So it was just, like okay like I, I don't know it just felt very embellished and weird and unnatural so there's also a really gross few minutes about how the porno flick came about and that whole debacle and you can tell that Corinne had to have been at a really really low point in her life to ever associate with these dudes so that was pretty bleak they had the Mr. Marcus dude in it he wasn't like that mean to her but then they had some other dude whose name I forget and I don't want to remember um who I guess hooked the two of them up and he was being like extremely disrespectful um the only cool thing was that Pamela Desbars who I mentioned earlier she is the rock band groupie who wrote I'm with the band she's in it um I was really confused as to why Cool G Rap's wife the one that he got with after Corinne was in it she was trying to make it seem like 
I mean, she had a bunch of really terrible things to say about Corinne. Apparently, um, Corinne was on Hot 97, I believe it was one day, and like she called in and she had like all of these like receipts on Corinne being a liar. So she was in it, you know, sharing her piece. But the only weird thing about what she was saying is she was trying to make it seem like Cool G Rap was like this really big name and like huge celebrity, which I thought was funny because I'm like, I don't know one song about him, but okay. That pretty much sums it up, y'all. It really wasn't that interesting. But if you want to hear some juicy groupie stories um, that are not related to Corinne, go watch it. A lot of the rappers who were in it like told their craziest groupie stories. Um, and that was kind of interesting. But other than that, it really wasn't nothing we ain't never heard before. So I would rate it a 5 out of 10. All right, next. At this point, we're in 2010. It's a new decade. Corinne was supposed to have a couple television deals, but I'm not sure what happened to those. Would you guys have liked a show based on Corinne's first book? Because I think that's what these shows were supposed to be about. I think that at that time, it wouldn't have been good because linear television, basically cable television, is just so censored. Um, I think something like that would be way better if it came out now because it could be on Netflix. I think if Netflix did like a six, eight part series on Corinne, like it would be pretty cool today. But I don't think a cable TV show about that would have. Corinne continued to write and publish books in the new decade. In 2012, she was an editor for a book called Drink, Fuck, Sleep, Volume 1, which is basically just an anthology of drunk sex stories. Um, then there was How to Make Love to a Martian in 2013, <laughs> which was obviously about her relationship with Lil Wayne. And then in 2015, Confessions of a Video Vixen 10 Years Later was released. So throughout the 2010s, Corinne continued to have volatile relationships with a few different celebrities and drama continued to follow her around. In 2016, Corinne started posting a video of her arguing with the actor Columbus Short and in the video she's like throwing his clothes all over, accusing him of cheating. People were shocked by this because nobody even knew they were dating, but Corinne had said they were actually married after this video uh, was released. Columbus put out a statement about them dating and them now splitting up, explaining that their romance started after Corinne helped him when he became homeless after his divorce. He said, she tracked me down. She hunted me down and I was homeless. I ended up with Corinne. I'll give her that respect. She's really a smart girl, genuinely. She's smart, but too smart, too clever. She thinks she's too clever. He also denied being married to her as well. So in 2018, Columbus was released from jail for beating his wife at the time, and Corinne started to accuse him of bigamy. She released a copy of their marriage certificate and said that Columbus denied the marriage because he was still married to his first wife, who is not the woman that he went to jail for beating, by the way, and said that he had been texting her wanting to get back together. Columbus's publicist, who is the wife that he went to jail for beating, denied that him and Corinne were ever married and said that he did not exchange the messages with her. Also in 2018, Corinne revealed that she had a relationship with Rotini. I believe that's how you pronounce his name. He is the actor from Power. I'm not sure what character he plays because I don't watch it, but I know he's on it. Um, she said that they had a relationship in 2015 and that they suffered a miscarriage together and he was not supportive. She wrote this really long essay. I believe, um, about it and like a couple Instagram posts. And yeah, I mean, we can talk about a lot more male drama that Corinne was involved in, but I want to keep this kind of focused on Corinne and get more into the impact of the book. So I'm going to leave it here. And it's just like, it's trying to follow her relationships is so hard because a lot of them kind of overlap or like she'll say like like I said in the last episode she'll say oh this actually didn't happen so it's hard to keep up with it but those were like the biggest like scandals that she was in in the 2010s as far as men 
So as you guys can see from these two episodes, Corinne has had quite the colorful life. Like I said in the first part, there's a lot that she says that I can't verify or that has been proven untrue, but I think it's one of those things like most of the things that Corinne does, you have to just form your own opinion on it. I definitely believe there's a lot of truth tied up in what she says and there's some embellishing, but I definitely think there's truth there. Um, another thing I want to talk about is how in interviews after Confessions of a Video Vixen, Corinne kind of distances herself from the groupie lifestyle and she treats her work as more of a cautionary tale. She calls out hip hop pretty often and says that what's happening in the culture would be disappointing to its founders. Here's a quote. It has done exactly what those who oppose this culture have always wanted it to do, enforce self-hatred among its people. Somewhere in corporate America, someone is laughing at us, how we degrade our own women and poorly influence our youth. I personally think that Corinne was looking for acceptance and just got caught up in a world that really wanted to take advantage of her. But at the end of the day, she ended up getting their respect because people treated her differently in hip hop circles once she became a successful author. In an interview with Jet Magazine, she said, they treat me so much differently than they ever had, with so much respect. They can't do what they used to do, and I'm not doing what I used to do. What's changed is that I am in their category, because now I am making as much money or more than they are, and men will respect that before anything else. So even though Corinne definitely did not start the tell-all novel, she definitely influenced other women in and around the hip-hop industry to share their stories. I think that Corinne kind of became like, this woman with a scarlet letter or like a Joan of Arc for some reason. And I think we can definitely credit her with the wave of sex positivity in hip hop feminism. I think that um, after Confessions of a Video Vixen and a bunch of other things, like I started, y'all know I critique black feminist writing all day on here. Like I love to drag, but um, you know, I love, you know, their work and stuff, but I definitely, as a reader, I see a little bit of a shift in like, um, black feminist writing after this book came out and a couple other things that happened. Um, but yeah, I definitely think that Corinne helped start that wave of sex positivity in the industry. Like we had Carmen Bryan, Nas's baby mama wrote a book, uh, Kim Osorio's book about her experience as an editor at the source game over by winter Ramos, who was a former uh, personal assistant and designer to a lot of stars and many more. I'm sure the success and general good response Confessions got made these women feel more comfortable telling their side of their stories. Um, speaking of these books, I've gotten quite a few requests from you guys for like book recommendations, mainly on like stuff about video vixens and like what you guys should read. I try to put as much stuff as I can in my show notes, like things I use for research. Um, but I know you guys like want actual books on like hip hop culture and things like that. So I'm thinking about creating a Vixen book club where we read some of these books together. Uh, what do you guys think about that? Like after this episode comes out, I'll do a poll on Instagram about it and you guys can let me know through that or, you know, DM me on Instagram or email me. Let me know what you think and we'll figure it out. Um, I haven't like thought about how it would go, but I think it will be really fun um, and we can probably do it during the podcast break. If you guys don't know, the podcast goes into seasons. Uh, we do 10 episodes and then we take like a four or five week break. So we can probably start the book club when we go on break. Right now, this is episode, what episode are we on? Are we on five? Are we on six? We're on five. Okay. <laughs> so like in a couple of weeks, we can start the book club or whatever. So let me know what you guys think about that. I, I love to read. Um, I have to read so much for this podcast. So I would love to have reading buddies. And there's a couple books that 
um, are relevant to what I talk about on my podcast, but I'm not working on an episode for them, but I would love to still read them for fun anyway. So let me know what you guys think about a Vixen book club. I'll definitely do the poll on Instagram after this comes out. So make sure you follow me on Instagram so you can participate. Okay, so back to Corinne. These days, Corinne is not on social media anymore, and she doesn't go by Corinne Steffens, but she does speak and teach courses at colleges, and she has her website, thegorgeousgirlsguide.com, and it's kind of like a coaching, personal coaching, like lifestyle tip website from what I've seen of it. It seems like a nice community, honestly. Um, There's also a YouTube channel with recordings of some of the classes that she's taught. They're all from like 2018-ish. It hasn't been updated recently, but it's still interesting. I'll link it in my show notes so you guys can watch it. So, um, yeah, that is Corinne's story. Overall, what are my thoughts? I find Corinne absolutely fascinating. I truly do. Does she confuse me? Yes. She confuses the hell out of me. And I'm like, oh, my God. (laughs) Like, as y'all know, I was, like, intimidated to do this this uh these episodes on her because I was like there's so much about her and like there was a lot of stuff I could have covered and decided not to one because you know you can't verify all of it and two it would have been just way too long um but yeah I mean she definitely confuses me but she is one of the most interesting women ever I think so recently I was in a room on Clubhouse and Corinne was a speaker and she definitely dropped a lot of gems on everyone in the room. I'm not going to go too in depth because this episode is going to be longer than what it already is. But basically like she called women out for not taking accountability and what they accept from men. And I love that because that's something I've been thinking a lot about lately, just like in relationships that I observe, like my friends and things and myself. So I definitely think that's real. I think women have to take a little bit more accountability for like what we accept or whatever but you know some people definitely felt a little hit in that room (laughs) you know because I think it's easy to just be like men ain't shit but like sometimes you gotta like look at yourself too so um she definitely has she's very well spoken and you can tell she's like really really intelligent I really like her she like has a lot going on but I really like her so I'm gonna end this episode with a quote from confessions of a video vixen would I do it all again yes If someone told me I would have to relive my entire life in order to be as fulfilled as I am now, then I would. I am stronger for it, and I am able to be who I was always meant to be. I find incredible hope in the people who have been inspired by my life and whose lives have inspired mine. End quote. Alrighty, y'all. So that is Corinne Steffens. That was a lot. I am so glad that you stuck with me if you stuck with me. Um, I hope you guys liked this episode and liked um, both episodes on Corinne, actually. And I will see you guys next week. Bye.